This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. I'm talking about anxiety. And I get anxious when I know that it's being recorded and it's live and I just hope I can drink okay. It is, it re, I'm getting a feedback, but I don't know much about technology. Um, it is an honor to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. Um, I was kidding with Pastor Chad. Now I know why he wanted me to speak this weekend. He wanted to go deer hunting and didn't have to worry about, you know, preparing for a sermon. So, ah. so I am Grant Jones, and I don't have a clicker, so I'm counting on the person in the back. Um, I've titled Christian, A Christian View of Anxiety and Fear 101. <clears throat> I am a professor. I am a psychologist. I'm not a preacher. So I got lots of notes. And if you would like them, you just let me know, email them, and I will get them to you because they are kind of lecture material. So I'm working. I talked to my wife, Rita. I said, Rita, I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher. And I got to figure out how to do that preaching thing. And she said, no, that's not going to work, Grant. You just stay teaching. Um, And so that's what I'm going to do. So next slide, please. Here's what I want to cover today, Um, the introductions um, and definitions of anxiety, the statistics involved, um, COVID effects on on anxiety. We're going to look at that a little bit. Um, I'm talking about the physiology of anxiety. You can't be anxious if your parasympathetic system is working. Um, Some of the causes and etiology of of anxiety, and then we'll get into treatments, and then look at some biblical constructs to help us make sense out of all that. Uh, Next slide, please. This is my family, Um, my grandkids, three and a half. One is on its way, October 21, she will be here, and so I'm excited about that. I have two wonderful daughter-in-laws, they went to Evangel. I had them all, I think I shared this last February, I've had all four of my kids in a classroom with me at Evangel, and that's pretty cool. It's not going to happen with the grandkids, though. That, but it, um, I have retired. Um, tonight, I, w- when we, I want to run through self-care, and I want to run you through some really specific tools how to deal with your anxiety. And, and part of that will be self-care, and I'll show you the slides of my personal self-care. I call it the sabbatical when I go to Zimbabwe, and me and nature and animal hunting become united under a worship to the Lord. So that's, that's my sabbatical. But I'll share some of that tonight. Um, next slide, please. All right, so this definitions. <clears throat> so what's the difference between fear and anxiety? Now, if this was a classroom, I would say, okay, raise your hand, and, but I can't do that right now, so I've got to counter-condition that urge. Uh, Fear is a normal emotion. You can have fear before you, can be ver- before you talk, before you're verbal. Um, it's a normal, natural emotion. You can see it in babies, a year old, without any verbal skills. So that's normal. Anxiety, for my sake, is an abnormal 
kind of excess reaction to fear. And I, it's an ab, I'm going to read it right there. An abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear, often marked by physical signs such as tension, sweating, increased pulse rate, and that usually it's fear gone amok is the best way of saying it. And here's the second part to that. The anxiety interferes with the quality of your life. So fear doesn't necessarily interfere with the quality of your life, but if it goes into a sense of messing up how you want to live your life, then we can label that anxiety. Both fear and anxiety have the same physiological responses in your body. So you really can't tell much difference. It's just the source and the degree of intensity is where that resides. So both have the same physical. So let me just, many of us have had anxiety, panic attacks. Um, so that's increased in respiration, uh, respiration, muscle tension, pupils dilate, decreased blood flow to the extremities. Like right now, my hands are cold because I am nervous. And so the blood flow to my extremities, if you want to cool off, just come touch my hands. And and then there's the increased stress hormone, cortisol. Um, we'll talk more about that, but that activates the sympathetic system, which is the flight, fight, fear response. Um, so it, it is a physiological component for both of these constructs. Okay, next slide, please. So these are our typical anxiety disorders. There are five for adults. We got an extra one for kids, child separation anxiety disorder. The reason we label these as disorders is that if you have been diagnosed with that, it has impacted the quality of your life at some level. So you need some help to treat that and address that. Um, technically now, OCD and PTSD are no longer considered anxiety disorders. They are a separate category, technically, um, because there's different mechanisms underneath those two conditions. But so what we're talking about here today are these primary anxiety disorders in general um, is where I'm focusing on. Okay, so next slide, please. This, this is astounding, all right? Let me put my glasses on here. Anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the United States. 40 million people. So if you have an anxiety disorder, hey, you're in good company. 62% of a survey reported experiencing some degree of anxiety, and this is 2020. 62% of the population experienced anxiety during 2020. What happened during 2020? The C word. It's no longer cancer is a C word. It's C word COVID. 31% um, of all adults will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their life. One third of the U.S. population. Anxiety disorders are more prevalent in women than men. Sorry about that. And it's not just in the U.S., it's worldwide. Um, We'll get into that a little bit later. There's a reason, there's a valid, there's a good reason for that. Um, and if you're dealing with threat as a substrate of anxiety, there's a tendency that we see threats differently between the genders. Does that make sense? 
Um, I think you're nodding your head, but... Um, <clears throat> worldwide, 264 million adults have anxiety disorder. 179 million were female, 63%. Uh, most adults with anxiety have a mild impairment, 43%. 33% have a moderate impairment and 22-23% serious impairment. It really is something that can interfere with the quality of our life, and that's, that's why we're addressing this issue. One more stat then, and then I want to go to talk about the COVID. Please, the next slide. Guess what age group was most affected, is most affected by anxiety? 30 to 44-year-olds. As said, followed by 22% of 18 to 29-year-olds. And then guess what group is the least anxious? Us old folks. Because we don't worry anymore. It's like it's over, done. Stick a fork in me and we'll move on or something. Or we retire and, and just go to our sabbaticals. And, we don't have to, and there's another reason. We're not so worried about achieving anything that much anymore. We're not trying to provide for our family. Um, and you're going to see a slide here. The income is a big factor during the COVID um, issue, which is the next slide. COVID changed everything. <laughs> um, you, it, it has made us anxious. There's, there's absolutely no doubt. And one of the biggest reasons is, we don't know what the truth is, hardly. Who, who do we trust to give us the data? How effective are vaccines? How transmittable are... It just on and on it goes. What are the long-term effects? And it just, but so here's some interesting stuff that, that came out. <clears throat> During the pandemic, a larger than average share of young adults ages 18 to 24 report symptoms, anxiety, and depression. 56% of them did that. Compared to all adults, young adults are more likely to report substance abuse and suicidal thoughts. We know that during the pandemic, suicide rates went up. We're suspecting child abuse has gone up because of what's happened in the ERs. Um, it, <clears throat> we know that students, kids, have not done well academically as a group during the shutdown. The shutdown, the isolation has made things worse for so many people. Um, and, and so it, there's absolutely no doubt. Now, here's the part that I want you to understand here for adults experiencing household job loss during the pandemic have consistently reported higher rates of symptoms of anxiety and or depressive disorders. 53% versus those that didn't were 32%. Makes sense. If you don't have money coming in, it's going to make you nervous. How do we pay the bills? How do we take care of the kids? Uh, so there's no doubt that the coronavirus situation has increased level of anxiety, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And the next slide, please. And here's what I was talking about. Age is significantly related to decreased anxiety and depression in the COVID situation. You can see the age groups. So 18 to 24, 56% of them had issues with anxiety 
during the, have during the pandemic, whereas 65 and older, only 30%. Um, the next slide has a link to where if you want to look at the effects of COVID on mental health, it's right there. Just go to www.kff.org. And, and there's some really good stuff there. So here's where I want to get to now. The next thing is physiology of anxiety. <clears throat> if your sympathetic system is not active, you will not become anxious. It's that simple. Okay? So, now, there are many ways to not make that active. We want the parasympathetic to kick in. Um, so, these are the two... And go to the next slide, please. This... The sympathetic system is your fight, flight, fear response. It's the one when you need to be mobilized, there's a threat there, there's something coming, and your body needs to orient to it, and you say, okay, that's a threat. Can I beat the threat? And so I'll attack, or I can't beat the threat, and I'm going to run, or I just freeze. You want to respond to a crisis without having to activate your brain. When you're driving and someone pulls up in front of you, you don't want to just say, Hark, someone is pulling up in front of me. What should I do? Committee, let's take a vote and see, should we turn left or right or hit the brakes or scream? No, you want that instantaneous what? Response, reaction. That's in the sympathetic ganglion chain. It's a whole bundle of nerves that go down your back, and once one is innervated, the whole system is innervated. So I don't have to go to the brain to engage to do something. And I just... Ch -ch -ch -ch. And then you think, okay, how did I do that? Your body... We need that, all right? We definitely need those opportunities, or we need to be able to let that teach us, guide us. So that's what we want. But we don't want to stay in that state because cortisol is the hormone. It is so powerful. If you have too much cortisol in your stomach, that's where you get the hypertension, irritable bowel, ulcers. Because you've got too much cortisol in your system. What we, so on the sympathetic, it's all or none. If one part's innervated, the whole system is innervated. Like right now, hands cold, feet cold. Pupils dilated, throat is a little dry because my, sympath my sympathetic system is working right now, and I'm trying to keep it under control. But it's working, it's working. Um, but then the parasympathetic, this is the calming, the soothing. It's okay, Grant. Jesus loves you, and you're going to be fine. And the worst case scenario is you're teaching this, it's just lousy. But that's all right. Jesus still loves you, and you're going to be fine. Thank you. Thank you. And then I, but I can't go to my happy place right now because I'm in front of a camera. But <clears throat> I'll show you my happy place tonight, though. But this is, this is critical to activate the parasympathetic system because what it does, if, let's go to the next slide. 
So the sympathetic flight or fight prepares the body for stress, cortisol and adrenaline. It increases heart rate and blood pressure and your digestive system shuts down. Okay? Notice that whenever you're, you're playing a sports or you're actively engaged in something physical and it's, and it's really intense, you don't think about going to the bathroom, do you? Have you ever seen a basketball player out there? Okay, time out. I got to go to the bathroom. No, because what's happened is your sympathetic system shuts down all of all that processes. And then what the stress is removing, oh man, I got to go to the bathroom. That's your body helping you out. So then the parasympathetic, it's the rest and digest to return the digestive system to work, returns the body to a calm state. This is when growth hormones are released. Um, melatonin is released, and that helps with a lot of things, especially sleep. Um, decreased heart rate and blood pressure, and it repairs the body. If you cannot get into the parasympathetic system, guess what happens? You can't repair your body. Keep that in mind. Right. That's why we're going to talk about self-care tonight. And I'm going to run you through some exercises to help deal with those you know, top two, three fears. Let's go on to the next one. So here, here's the, the, this anxiety connection with the autonomic nervous system. Anxiety is due to the activation of the sympathetic nervous system. We know that, the SNS. If it is not activated, there are no anxiety symptoms. I want to say that again. If the sympathetic system is not activated, it's unlikely that you will have anxiety symptoms. All right. To treat anxiety, we look for ways to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, the calming, soothing, and renewal processes. If one can manage his or her autonomic nervous system, then you can manage your anxiety. I don't want to make it so simple, but it kind of is that simple. And so treatment becomes what then? Find ways to manage your physiology, your autonomic nervous system. Dr. Xiang Yan Tan, one of my heroes, um, he's a psychologist, author, professor at Fuller, and then also is the pastor at the First Evangelical Church in Glendale, which... At, a while back was the largest uh, Korean church in, in the U.S. Um, great man of God. And I remember when he said this, and it's like, whoa. But he did say this. <laughs> All anxiety disorders can be effectively treated. I'm at the point. That is true. That is true. All right, so next slide. All right, so now we're getting into the causes. And there are many, tons of causes. But so here's most of them have to do with your cognition, what you think, your paradigm, your worldview, your belief system, your self-talk, your sense of self. All of that is probably the biggest contributor to anxiety. But there are some others. That it's, and this is it's important for us to know, because if I know the cause, then I can Fix it. Get involved in managing it. 
treating it. There is a physiological component to certain anxiety disorders. In fact, the heritability coefficient we think is around 30%, which is pretty high. That's moderate. But it, so you can see, uh, if those of you that have multiple kids, it's their temperament. Some are a little bit more high-strung than the others, right? You wish they were all relaxed, but no. And, and then even the hyperactivity with certain kids can, does what to their sympathetic nervous system? It activates it. They have to find a way to manage that. But there is a physiological component, substrate, to certain anxiety disorders. And we can't ignore that. Um, illnesses, thyroid disorders, um, heart disease, diabetes, COPD, irritable bowel syndrome, all of those, if you have that condition, will contribute to some anxiety. What's the common denominator there? Struggle breathing is part of it, yeah. And when you feel like you can't get what? Air, you're going to be a little nervous. Absolutely, be a lot nervous. Um, so, that, that's, so keep that in mind that, that those of you that have that kind of condition, you have to fight it a little harder. In fact, when someone has a panic attack, and they, what typically is the common denominator? What do they think it is when you get to ER? Heart condition, exactly. And then you go through all the tests. No, your heart's fine. And you just love those words. It's in your head, Grant. You know, that's just not what you want to hear, but that's been said. I had a doctor tell me that a couple weeks ago. Because I've got this stomach whatever going on, and we've done scopes and CTs and and MRIs, and I can't find anything. And they says, Grant, it's in your head. And he knows I'm a psychologist. And I said, I don't want to hear that. Stop it. Fix it. And he says, well, fix your brain. <laughs> Increased stress is another uh, in traumatic events. Nearly half of this survey reported stress at, stress at home was a cause of their anxiety. This is during 2020. Being at home was the number one stressor for half that survey. Um, children are especially prone to stress and traumatic events because they don't. Why? Think this through. Why do kids have a greater difficulty of processing trauma events than adults? Adults have a greater paradigm of understanding adversity and pain and have other coping strategies to process that event where children, they don't have a template on how to manage that stress. How you think will determine where you go. So let's go to the next. Oh, yeah, here we go. Now, this is called the ABC model of human functioning. Oh, I'm sorry. I went too far, didn't I? No, I didn't. Yeah, I did. There you go. My apologies. 
These are common medications that are used to help treat anxiety that have a physiological component. I am, I'm a psychologist, but I know our bodies operate on neurotransmitters, and if we can manage those neurotransmitters and those hormones with medication, I'm all in. Especially antidepressants. I'm all in on antidepressants if people have a biological basis for their, for their depression. But I just put these here to show you that these are indeed effective treatments from a physiological basis. It, it, is, it is interesting, I'll just share this, that medication for depression also treats anxiety at times. There's an overlap there. And the key is because both involve the neurotransmitters, norepinephrine, serotonin. And so that really is why that can be effective. So let's go ahead and next slide, please. So this, this, is what, this is the core thing I want us to take away today. It's called the ABC model. And A stands for activating event. B stands for belief system. And C stands for consequence. So a lot of times people will say, all right, I was mistreated by mom and dad, and then conclude, therefore, I am a bad son. So we say mom and dad's treatment, and then I'm a bad son, or it's my fault. And then they become depressed, or anxious, or acting out aggressively. That's not the case. A does not cause C. What causes C? Your belief system. Your interpretation of the event is more important than the actual event itself. This is really something that if you are rationally processing a a life-altering event or traumatic event or, dis or loss of job or something like that, then you will not have all the kind of the negative after-effect consequences. So if you lose the job, how you interpret that is going to determine your consequence. And that's where as believers, knowing this in, this in here is part of our belief system that God is sovereign and God is on the throne, and God will not forsake me, and God is looking after me, can be rather encouraging when I don't have a job. Okay. Do you see where I'm going with that? So if I can control my thought processes, that's this whole ABC model, is really, really significant when it comes to managing anxiety. Because again, if I can control my parasympathetic nervous system with my thinking, then I'm going to be able to manage my anxiety in a more effective way. So the next slide. Um, this lines up for me, the ABC model, well with Scripture. Um, your conversion experience, your salvation experience was predicated on truth, on knowledge, on the cognitive processes 
of you heard the word, you heard the message, you read it, and you recognize God loves me, I'm a sinner, Jesus died, and you made a decision to accept him and ask his forgiveness, and he redeemed you. It's a cognitive process. That's, if you look at certain scripture, like I've got it up here on the board. I guess that's a slide, isn't it? Um, For as a man thinketh within himself, so is he. What I think becomes me. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, taking captive of my thinking, of my cognitions. And then how do I know the will of God? Through the trans- being transformed by the renewing of my cognitions, my belief system, my worldview. What sets people free? Truth. Why are we having so pro- much problem with this pandemic? Because it's hard to determine truth. And it makes us anxious because we just at a point don't know which way to go at times. And that's why the pandemic has made things worse because it's not so clear cut because it is new and we don't have that time for it to run its course. So from a biblical perspective, what am I saying? Clearly, if I get control of my mind, then I will be able to control the rest of my life, my, my behavior and my emotions. And so that's part of this biblical truth. That I just When you think about it, There is absolutely nothing that God can't redeem in your life. Think about that. No matter how badly or poorly you think about yourself or how nasty your past is, there's absolutely nothing that God can't say, you know, I'm redeeming you. I'm changing your life. I don't care what your past is like. I will make you a new creature. You can renew your mind and I will restore and give you. There is no guilt and there is no shame for who you are. That is redeeming. And if I can start there, then it helps me start connecting the dots between my thinking and my emotions and my behavior. So so the focus is on controlling one's cognitions, thinking and beliefs, to be who God wants us to be. That's a foundational part for me. If my life is there and say, Lord, I'm yours, then I can transition now. How do I live my life in accordance with your will and your purpose? So, let's go to the next one. Now we're looking at belief systems, and this is where I want us to focus on. These are what I would say the core constructs of anxiety from a cognitive perspective. Your belief system maintains or diminishes your anxiety. I just want to leave that there again. Um, Anxiety is produced not by what we actually experience, but what we tell ourselves. Our thoughts determine our reality. If we think anxious thoughts, we will become anxious. If you think joyful thoughts, you will become Joyful. One of my supervisors years ago talked about that chatterbox that we all have inside us that is constantly 
You're such a loser. You're such a louse. You'll never be able to be successful. What do you think you are? You're going to stand in front of everybody and you're going to just crash and burn. We all have that. I, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be received. I don't think I can do. That's that chatterbox. And that's what we have to get control over. That self-dialogue. Another domain is what we call hidden assumptions. Assumptions that you have about reality. And there's three here that really can nail us and create anxiety. One is unworthiness. I deserve for bad things to happen to me because that's what I deserve. I'm not good. And it's a way of trying to tell yourself, okay, I can manage this bad thing because I deserve it. I'm not worthy enough for good things to happen. Lack of ability. I do not have the skills to overcome this problem. This is focusing on your skill set, not you as a person per se. And where you say, I, I can't do it. I can't do this math class. I, I'm going to fail at this math assignment. I'm not good with social skills. I, there is absolutely no way I can be good in public. There's no way I'm going to do good in a music situation. I just can't. And so we have that talk. So the focus is, I don't have the abilities. The third one is the inadequacy, and this, fo I'll just read it there. I am not, as a person, I'm not good enough to overcome this. Meaning, I as a human being, my core sucks. It's nasty. And so it's my personality. This is that, but if you remember back in February, this is what I would call the toxic shame. I am not good enough as a human being. So therefore, I can't manage my anxiety. I can't manage the stressor that is creating the anxiety in my life. We've got to work hard and not letting this become, this assumption become a belief. Let's go on to the next one, please. So another source of anxiety from a belief is from our cognitions is mistaken beliefs. We all have prejudices or stereotypes or views about different entities or organizations. So, even faced with the evidence that is contrary, we still hold on to that mistaken belief. For instance, if you hold on to the belief that I am a second-class Christian because of my past, it will adversely impact you. Because you will always be walking around thinking, walking with a limp or thinking, I don't deserve anything good. And, and that's a mistaken belief because Scripture is real clear. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God does not have stepchildren. We are his son, his daughter. And he gets so excited when we talk to him. Uh, those of us that have kids and grandkids and they want to be with us and talk to us, we just, it lights us up. And that's the same thing with God. So if you have this mistaken belief, I'm flawed, defective, it's going to have an adverse impact. And you're the only one that can change that thought. Because scripture's real clear already. A specific one, God doesn't care about me since he didn't protect me from that traumatic event, so I can't trust him. 
If you hold on to that, wow, it's tough. I understand where it comes from, but it's not biblical. So then there are beliefs that we use to manage our anxiety. Now, these aren't necessarily mistaken beliefs. You'll see the mistaken belief underneath each one. But these are things we say or do to help manage. One is personalization. I am responsible for everything that happens to me. Anything that goes wrong is my fault. So immediately the person, okay, it's, it's their way of saying, ah, okay, that's, it's my fault. That's why I can't do well. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm messing up in this situation. It's because it's my fault. So what's, in, in other words, this person, the mistaken belief, there's no such thing as accidents. I am that powerful to control everything. Control is a big one for anxiety people. It's like the chicken little thing or, it just, or someone on Murphy's Law. Everything could go wrong is going to go wrong in my life. So what do you try to do with that? I'll try to control everybody. Life will fall apart if I'm not on top of everything. So we try to avoid any turmoil, tension, conflict because i got to control it. And then that goes a little... F- so the person tries to control all those that in his or her life. Then the perfectionism. Oh, if I become perfect, then I will be able to control all my anxiety. Good luck on that one. I'm a failure unless I meet my own standards. The person believes that safety is found by controlling oneself and therefore not be anxious. These are ways in which we try. We failed at the other place, so we now try to, if I control everything so nothing bad happens to me, then I'll be good. Then I won't be anxious. The only person that was perfect was crucified. So I'm not sure you want to be perfect. He did it. He bore our shame. Oh. But I understand where this comes from, gang. I do. And it comes from childhood stuff oftentimes where you're, you can't control the adults. So what do you try to do? Control your own world. And then that world becomes locked in and stays with you in your perceptual set. So there are treatments, and there are many, and I'm just putting these out here because uh, they all work, and tonight we're going to have some fun doing some of these. But medication, if you have family members, history of anxiety or depression, you really need to consider, especially if you have some anxiety, to consider a, a physical, seeing your doctor. Because there are, that you may have something in your system that needs a little help medically. I have no problem with that. Absolutely no problem. So see if there's some underlying physical illness that may be contributing to your anxiety. Exercise. Uh, how many love exercising? Yeah, I don't see any. Well, a couple of hands went up. Um, it, it, it's amazing what that does to your body. A good cardio I got bad knees, so I, I'm going to get knee replacement because I miss playing soccer. And I can't run. 
falling apart. So I'm going to have to help put it back together. But it increases adrenaline. It increases and it activates the parasympathetic nervous system after you've done the exercise. And then endorphins can start working. Uh, plus, it makes you feel like, I did something. So there's that internal, well done, Grant. You got off the couch and you did something meaningful. Uh, eat healthy. How does eating healthy affect anxiety? Well, if you eat foods rich with tryptophan and tyrosine, then the body can take those and convert them into norepinephrine, serotonin, and dopamine. And all of those are very important for how and mood functioning. Uh, Mediterranean diet, I'm not, I mean, I just hear there's a lot of good things about that. Some are talking about keto. I, what do I know? But the Mediterranean is good. Find a meaningful hobby. What do you do for fun? What do you do that incites you or, or you get a, a alive when you're doing it? And then you see the end product. I'll share mine tonight. Meditation. Why is meditation? Uh, we're going to do some meditation tonight. I'm going to teach you how to access the Lord in a meditative state. It, it is, oh, it can be so redemptive and therapeutic. When you, I, I hope to energize your ability to do devotions in a different way. That, that will hopefully, make, uh, it, it can work. Uh, <clears throat> it's effective at renewing the mind. And we'll talk about mindfulness. We'll do a little bit of that tonight as well. Do book studies and workbooks on anxiety. There is a ton of material out there. Tons. I've got two here that are great. You can click on them. Um, Christianbook.com has some really good links there. American Bible Society um, does that one, uh, Bible.com. They have some studies and plans. Beautiful stuff, gang. You can do it in, there's some of these are done where you can do it uh, as a Sunday school class, where it becomes, okay, we, for six weeks we do this. Um, it, it really is phenomenal. So there's really good material there. And then the, number seven, and this is counseling. I highly recommend it when you've tried all the other stuff and you still are in an anxious state because sometimes we need to get at those core mistaken beliefs. And with the therapy counseling situation, the counselor can help you start reprogramming your brain. So I'm, I'm all in favor of this. Like Dr. Tan said, all anxiety disorders are treatable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really... And, and here, here's the other trigger for this. If that anxiety is interfering with the quality of your life, then get help. That's the key word. If it messes up how you want to be, how you interact with your spouse, your children, your colleagues, you need to take a look at that carefully. Um, oh, and if you want to have some fun, if you just go to this link, www.psychologytoday.com, and see if you have an anxiety disorder. You can just, okay, this should be fun. And if you get through half of it and realize, no, I don't want to do this anymore, well, then there's prima facie evidence you probably need to get a little help. Uh, it, it's fun to do. It really is. Just to see how psycho am I. So, 
All right, so let's, let's got to wrap this up. All right, so biblical truths that combat anxiety. All right, here we go. You are righteous and holy. Therefore, there is now some condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. God is good. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, I struggle with that one because fear is normal. And there's, right now, there's things we have to be careful. We have to be kind of afraid of. Our country needs help. <laughs> and, 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 and there's some weird stuff happening. And we need to really... So, but nonetheless, the idea is I go to the Lord with my cares, my anxiety. God desires you to intercede with him and give him your concerns. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, I want to pause there, all right? Because some of us that struggle with anxiety read that, oh, I'm guilty as charged. The idea there, I'm not a theologian, but I've done some reading on this. The idea is there, you're consumed with that object or entity or situation. That's the, that's the underlying here. Don't be consumed about anything that disrupts your ability to be who you want to be and who you should be. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He's not in control of everything because there is free will. But He is at work in our lives. He has created us to exercise His will. And just like the pastor, He comes up and He prepares and, and it influences all of us because of His preparation and training and prayer time. And He makes a difference in this community. See where I'm going with that? He makes those choices. Uh, so God is sovereign. He, got, he has the big picture. So let's go to my conclusions. <clears throat> What you feed will grow. Regardless of your situation involving anxiety, there is help and hope. Regardless of your situation, God wants to redeem it. Anxiety is treatable. Two key ingredients of anxiety are the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and Mistaken beliefs, your thoughts. Take captive every thought is a key treatment protocol. And therapy counseling is a legitimate treatment of anxiety. And I hope you'll come tonight um, and, and I'll walk you through some really neat stuff that probably you've never done before, and, which is okay. Um, but God is at work in our lives. And you're going to see that tonight. Lord, thank you again for your word and how it encourages us and strengthens us and gives us hope. And, and I pray, Lord, you will just, whatever belief we have right now that interferes with our ability to be the person you want us to be, I pray your Holy Spirit will right in our face with it. And we can begin to work on that. And we'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen.